One of my greatest hopes and goals in life was that I would grow up, go to college, get an education, meet someone, have a family. That's how I pictured my life. And so each year or each season that would move forward that didn't look like that and that didn't match up was devastating. After college, I did meet someone. We grew really close and I thought that it was leading towards something and it looked like dating. It just wasn't called that. After the relationship ended, I felt very hurt by that person and just very embarrassed that that happened to me, that I thought I had something that wasn't real. I felt a deep sadness, a fear that that would never happen for me. I was angry. I would you know, be bitter towards friends of mine that were getting the life that I was waiting so long to experience. It drove a wedge in between several of us and I allowed it to eat away at my heart a little bit. When I began to question if God was going to call me into lifelong singleness, honestly, that's probably my greatest fear. And anytime that thought would come up or topic at church or just in conversations with friends and family, I can almost feel myself just shrink up and want to run and not address that because that was just too much to bear. I struggle to even think about the future because when I do think about it, my mind tends to go negative and assume the worst. Just the fact that I don't know what my life will look like is a very scary thought. In the future, if I'm still single, what will that look like? What will that mean for my relationships with my friends and sister and people in my life that I walk closely with that have husbands and families and children, their schedules are different. Their lives look very different than mine. I still deal with the days and thoughts and struggles that I am going to be single forever. Those thoughts do still scare me and I don't always run to the Lord immediately when those come up, but he's slowly chipping away at that old idea that a relationship and that a husband is what it would take for my life to be meaningful. Uh, Chris has been bringing the good word these past couple of weeks, and uh, he started off, started off talking about marriage, and the way that we treat and the way that we love our spouse shows the rest of the world a glimpse of the gospel and is a, a reflection of the way that Jesus treats people and the way that people are to treat Jesus. And then last week we talked about kids. We talked about having children and this idea that the way that we parent, the way that we treat our children should be a reflection of the way that our heavenly father is to treat us. And I encourage you guys, if you missed any of these past two weeks, uh, just with the busyness of the holidays or anything like that, uh, to grab the North Point app, check out on the media section, listen to a podcast, maybe on your way to work or watch a video sometime at night, uh, catch up on these things that were really great to be a part of. Uh, But the one thing that Chris conveniently seemed to leave out during all of this was the singles. What's up with that, Chris? What are you doing, man? Now, we did that on purpose in some of our meetings and plannings and things like that because we know that the Bible has some really cool things to say about being single, whether you have always been single, whether you are recently divorced, or whether you've recently lost a spouse. So if you have your North Point app, feel free to open it up this morning. You can follow along. There's some fill-in-the-blank sections there for you. Uh, We're going to talk about four truths of singleness, four truths of singleness. What does the Bible have to say about being single? Is it good? Is it bad? 
Where does singleness fit into this idea of a glimpse of the gospel? Does it have a purpose? Am I ever going to find that person that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with? Or what do I do now that I've lost my spouse? See, I think our first truth of singleness is that singleness is an opportunity from God. Singleness is an opportunity from God. See, we live in a world that has a pretty negative view of singleness. It's that aunt that you avoid at all of the family functions because you know she's going to come up asking those horrible questions. Are you dating anybody? When are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids soon, right? You hate that aunt, and it's understandable. It's every movie that we watch always ends with a couple who's feeling lonely or sad or out of place until they meet up and fall in love right before the credits roll. We live in a world that has a pretty negative view of singleness, and singleness can feel like a special club where people of all ages and all backgrounds can be a part. Some by choice, some are desperately looking for the exit door, and others find themselves a part of this club for maybe the second or the third time. There are times that as a single person you can feel left out or you can feel lonely like the whole world is having this great big party that they just didn't invite you to have part of the fun. We live in a world that has a negative view of singleness, which is why it's surprising that the New Testament has so many positive things to say about being single. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Paul is talking in this chapter about marriage and singleness and sex and all the good stuff that just seems to grab our attention when we read this part of the Bible. We're not going to get into everything that he's saying here, but Paul makes one particular comment about both marriage and being single like Paul was. Verse 7 says, I wish that all of you were as I am, Paul talking about being single, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, meaning singleness, and another has that, talking about marriage. Now, hold on for a second. Whether you're newly single or have been single your whole life, did you catch what Paul referred to singleness as? Paul said it is actually a gift from God. Now, that, that wording, that phrase, it just didn't quite settle right with me this week. So we had uh, some pretty lengthy, fun conversations in the office about this. And uh, we broke down all the Greek and the different translations or the different uh, texts and things like that to find out what is Paul really getting at here. And I think what Paul's trying to say is that singleness can actually be an opportunity from God. In fact, I like the way that Jesus addressed it earlier in Matthew 19:11. Here Jesus has been asked about divorce, and he says that a husband should not divorce his wife except for adultery. And this seems to really catch the disciples off guard. And so they have this uh, response here in verse 10. It says the disciples said to him, "If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry." In other words, Jesus, look, if we're going to play by those rules, Man, it's probably better just to stay single. And Jesus comes back with a great reply in verse 11. It says, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. What does that mean, Jesus? Those to whom it has been given. I think Jesus is pointing out that singleness is actually a good thing for those to whom it has been given. See, singleness is a good gift or opportunity for some to have. Maybe for a long period of time for others, maybe a shorter period of time for some. And when Paul speaks of singleness as being an opportunity, and when Jesus says that it has been given to some, it doesn't mean 
that some people have this particular super ability to just find themselves to be happily single all the time. The Bible isn't talking about an attitude of singleness, but rather this state or this period of being single. As long as you have it, being single is an opportunity from God. Just as marriage is an opportunity or a gift from God if you were to receive it. That means that as Christ followers, we should take whatever season of life that we're in, whether it's being single or whether it's being married, as an opportunity of God's grace to us to be a glimpse of the gospel. So even though we live in a world that has a pretty negative view of singleness, and even though every Christmas movie you watch is going to have a couple falling in love on a bridge underneath the snowfall, kissing while Santa Claus is winking in the background. Yes, my wife has had the remote control lately. (laughs) And even though you're going to go to a family Christmas party and Aunt Edna is going to ask you those horrible, dreaded questions about your dating life, don't punch her. I know you want to, but don't punch her. That would not only make for an awkward Christmas, but remember that you have... This is an opportunity from God for this season of your life. And that, in fact, being single even has its advantages, which is our second truth. Singleness has its advantages. Jump back with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 again. Uh, This passage points out, I believe, two advantages of being single that I want to highlight. The first is that single people are spared the troubles of marriage. Spare the troubles of marriage. I see a few smirks from some husbands out there right now, right? If I asked any married couple in here, you would tell me that you have got some great memories, some fun times with your spouse, things that just bring laughter and joy to your life. But every married couple also knows that there are some more difficult times as well. See, married couples don't typically going around discussing all of our troubles of marriage, which can actually make it seem like to a single person, everything's all roses. There was nobody when I asked this morning, hey, how are you doing? Nobody came in and said, well, you know what, Jake, me and the wife got into it this morning. Apparently she wants to do some uh, extra Christmas shopping and doesn't realize that the Lions game's on and they're hot right now going for the division. No, nobody had that response this morning, right? Everybody came in and said, hey, I got my coffee, I got my North Point app, I am ready to worship. Let's do this. I am ready to go. Couples don't typically share their troubles. In fact, we're pretty good at hiding these things. And it's so easy as a single person to see that as, man, that's the perfect life. Everything is so good because they're married. And even when a married couple's relationship is great, life can still be more complicated In fact, I was shocked to find out that when I married my beautiful bride, Ashley, that she actually had an opinion in my decision-making process. I was shocked to find this out. She cared what we did with our Saturdays. She even wanted to talk about things like how we'd celebrate holidays. I couldn't believe she had an opinion on these things, right? In fact, we've even had discussions I know nobody else in this room has had before. Things talking about like what we're going to have for dinner. 
right? Whereas you go back and forth, hey, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I don't really care, honey, whatever you think. No, no, no. I asked you, what do you want for dinner? Eh, you know, whatever sounds good. And 20 minutes later, you still have no idea what you're having for dinner, right? Nobody else has had that conversation, I'm sure. See, the truth is when you're married, there's more than one person to think about. Plus the added bonus and anxiety of when kids begin to enter the picture. And all of these things are great. They truly are gifts from God. But marriage does bring about troubles with it that Paul points out in the second part of 1 Corinthians seven twenty-eight. that for the person who has been given this opportunity or this season of singleness, that he actually wants to spare them from this. And Paul says all of that, I believe, because of the second advantage of being single. Look, if you will, 1 Corinthians 7, 32 and 34, where it points out that a single person can devote themselves more fully to God's work. Verse 32 says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world and how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. Every Christian man and every Christian woman has the responsibility to care for, to love, and to invest in their spouse and in their children. And this is a good thing. This is the right thing. to do. We spent the first two weeks of this series talking about how the way we interact with our spouse is a glimpse of the gospel to the rest of the world. And that investing in, caring for, loving our kids and our spouses should take time. And it's good time. It's the right time. But it is still time that you cannot invest in a kingdom work. It is still time that you cannot use to lead a Bible study. It's still time that you cannot use setting up for kids' ministry. It's still time away from maybe a missions project. These are resources. These are things that single people have more time to give to a kingdom work. See, whether you've chosen to stay single, whether you are single for a season, or you recently find yourself to be single again, you have the advantage and the resources to invest in kingdom work. See, instead of focusing on the difficulties of being single, take the time and your resources and invest in a kingdom work that God has placed and planned for you in this season of life. Take advantage of the opportunity of singleness while you still have it. Don't waste this opportunity. I have a close friend of mine named Chrissy. She's 40, uh, mid-40s, around that age. She could watch this. I don't want to tell her age. Um, but she's been single her entire life. She's got four brothers that act as brothers do. They've got uh, married and tons and tons of kids and things like that. And Chrissy's never been married. Chrissy doesn't have kids. And I know there's times that this has been a real struggle in her life. I know there's times that she's battled with things like loneliness. But I know Chrissy's also decided that she's not going to waste this opportunity, not going to waste these resources that God has blessed her with. Chrissy was influential when I was in youth group. She was constantly taking girls out to lunch so they could talk about fashion and crazy, stupid things like boys and all those other things that she could invest in these young girls' lives. 
Chrissy was able to help her brother out. Her brother is actually a pastor that started a church plan a few years ago because God had put that calling on his life. And when you start a church plan, things can financially be a little tough. And so Chrissy brought in her nieces and nephews and loved on them and made sure that if they wanted to play soccer, they were on a soccer team and they had the things that they needed and enjoyed, which freed up her brother to be able to do the kingdom work that God had called and anointed for him to do. She's been on several missions trips and supported other people doing missions. And she does all of those things because she knows that God has given her this opportunity. The kingdom is expanded because Chrissy understands that God has given her the opportunity during this season of singleness to accomplish a kingdom work. Now, you may be listening on the app, or you may be sitting out there today and thinking, Jake, I know you're trying to make singleness sound like it's a good thing, but I'm single and I know better. I know better. I know that it's tough. I know it's hard, and frankly, I am tired of it. In fact, I had a pastor friend of mine send me a message this week. He knew we were going to be talking about this, so he had received a text message that uh, simply said, I so don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. I see everybody at church happy and married, and sometimes it's very depressing to me. Which is our third truth about singleness, and that's that singleness is hard. Singleness is hard. In fact, Genesis 2.18 points out that the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God created Eve, and he put Adam and Eve together, and it's our first image of this lifelong commitment of marriage. And even though there's some pretty positive things that the New Testament says about singleness, we still know that marriage is the norm. Marriage is God's loving gift for us to meet our need for intimacy with others. And it's precisely because of this that singleness can be so hard. It's easy to slip into loneliness or even sexual temptation. And they can be a real struggle for anybody, married or unmarried, but it seems to be an even bigger struggle or easy struggle for somebody who is single. And that's simply because God did not create us to go through life alone. We need people in our lives that will encourage us, that will be honest, that will be helpful, that will love and will care about us. We need quality relationships in our lives of people that will help us pursue the calling and the opportunities that God has put in front of us. This is why life groups are such a big deal to us at North Point. We truly believe that life is better together. So whether you're young and single, whether you're newly single, whether you find yourself to be single again, it's important to surround yourself with quality relationships, with quality relationships. Not only does that help you with having somebody who's going to keep you accountable, it's going to make sure you're pursuing the path and the calling that God has placed on your life, but it gives you the opportunity to pour into somebody as well. I have another friend named Jackie. Uh, Jackie married young to a cop that loves his job, that loves Jesus, and that loves her. 
And together they had two beautiful, athletic, kind children. Her son became a pastor and got married and moved down to Texas. Her daughter got married and started their family in the Carolinas. And after over 30 years of marriage, Jackie and her husband were about the time to retire and spend their life doing things that they loved together. When all of a sudden her husband comes down with a massive heart attack and he passes away. Jackie is now single again. And it's lonely, and it's tough, and her family is hundreds of miles away. And while I know that Jackie still has tough days and tough nights, and I know she desperately misses her husband, she had enough wisdom to surround herself with quality relationships, people that she could call and say, I'm just having a hard day. I'm just lonely today. I'm ready to give up today. People that could encourage her. People that could love her. People that could be there for her. And at the same time, Jackie began to see that this season of singleness was an opportunity for her to do kingdom work. She got connected with an organization that plants youth camps all around the world and Christian universities all around the world, and she would spend months at a time flying halfway around the world to invest in the lives of young girls and to help plan out these camps and these universities that would begin to teach future pastors. And she did all of these things. The reason she flew halfway around the world and invested so much time and so much money into other people was because that she also knew and she also understood that singleness is not permanent. It's our fourth point. Singleness is not permanent. One of the biggest struggles with being single is this idea that if you're not married, you're lacking. You're not complete. You're missing something. That if you were to simply find a husband or if to find a wife, that you would be made whole. You would be made complete. And the problem with this idea is that for people who love and follow Jesus, we are already complete in him. You don't need another person to feel complete. As a Christian, you are complete in Christ and even destined to be married one day. See, there are people that are presently single that will get married one day. There are other people that will be single their entire life, but no Christ follower is to be single forever. As we talked earlier, and as Chris pointed out during the first week, this first week of the series, that human marriage is a reflection of the marriage that God desires to enjoy with his people. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the bridegroom that will one day come back for his bride, the church, those of us that know and worship and love him, to be with him in a new and perfect creation. And when that happens, all pain All hardship is gone, including the pain or the hardship of a tough marriage or of singleness. In fact, Revelation 19.7 put it this way. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Married or unmarried, when Jesus is the Lord and the Savior of your life, then you are complete. You aren't lacking or missing a part of you. 
that hole or that void inside of you can only be filled in a marriage to Christ. And when that happens, when you know Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, then you are complete in him. That's one way that singleness is a glimpse of the gospel. When your relationship with Jesus supersedes everything and every other relationship, the world sees that as a glimpse of the gospel. When you take this season of singleness, whether uh, you've been divorced or you've been single for a while or you've been widowed and you use this season as an opportunity to invest your time, your resources, your passions into a kingdom work, whether that's working in student ministry, partnering with a community like Rotunda, doing missions work or preparing curriculum in kids' world or whatever it is that God has laid on you to accomplish When you do that, the world sees this as a glimpse of the good news of the reconciling power of Jesus Christ for our lives now and eternally. See, you may be listening today and say, Jake, I don't know how that really applies to me. I'm married. See, the thing about that is life can change like that. Accidents happen like that. Sickness sets in like that. That whatever season you may find yourself in, God has put you in this particular season so that you can surround yourself with people who will encourage you and so that you have this as an opportunity to do a kingdom work. Short version is simply this. During this season, surround yourself with people who will encourage you as you pursue a kingdom work. Whether you're single, divorced, widowed, you are complete in Christ. And he has a plan for you for this season of your life. Get connected with people who will build into you, who will encourage you, who will build you up. Don't go through this season alone. Find whatever calling that God has placed in your life and throw your entire self into it. And watch the kingdom grow. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are in control, Father. That you know exactly what you're doing at all times, Father. And whatever season you may have us in, God, I pray that we would invest in quality relationships, people that will be honest with us, that will build us up, that will speak truth into our lives, Father, so that we can pursue the calling, the opportunity, the kingdom work that you have placed before us, Father. We weren't made for this life to go through it alone, God, but rather we are complete in you. God, I pray that whatever season we're in, Lord, we would use it to worship you, to praise you, to make you known. We love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.